Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This episode is brought to you by my course, Rest Assured. If you've been struggling with falling asleep, or staying asleep, or just not waking up feeling well-rested, you've come to the right place. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, or CBTI, is the gold standard intervention in the management of insomnia. Rest Assured is a digital course that walks you through CBTI, step-by-step, with everything you need to succeed. Each of the six weekly modules guides you through some important background information for the different techniques, explores the evidence-based techniques in detail, provides multiple examples of exercises so you can find the one that works for you, and reviews the work you've completed since the last module. And rest assured, it's just not another DIY left to your own devices, but rather, you get direct access to me, a board-certified sleep physician in twice-monthly office hours, where you can ask me face-to-face any questions you may have about the course material. So check out www.wellrestedmd.com slash RA to learn more. That's wellrestedmd.com slash RA. Or just head to the homepage and click on courses to learn more. Enjoy the episode. Hey, friends and neighbors. You're listening to the Well Rested Podcast, episode number 24. Meditation is for hippies and witch doctors. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Lennon. Meditation? That's for whiny, sissy, crunchy granola beatniks and voodoo quack shaman wannabes who can't handle the real world, right? Eh, not even close. In today's episode, I'll be discussing not just how those judgments are wrong, but how and why meditation and mindfulness have gained such significant traction in the medical scientific community, and why it's such a good idea to engage in yourself. Anyone who knows me personally probably has a palpable sense of my irritation for all things quack and woo-woo. I am no granola beatnik shaman wannabe. I have a strong allergy to ridiculous pseudoscience nonsense. I am a skeptic, trained in the hard sciences and evidence-based medicine. In my full endorsement of meditation is no failure of my skepticism. To the contrary, meditation and mindfulness practices continue to gain more and more scientific support as the ancient practices are put under the lens of rigorous scientific investigation. It would be hard to argue that strength training exercise like squats, curls, or bench press is an ineffective way to increase muscle strength. Yes, it is time-consuming, and no, the results are not instantaneous, but to claim it does not work would be foolhardy. It would also be hard to argue that frequently speaking Spanish won't help you learn the language, or that writing jokes every day won't help you be a better comedian, or that practicing suture technique won't help you become a more skillful surgeon quite the opposite. So if we need training, practice, repetition to improve skills in both gross and fine motor, in language and communication, in humor or in statistics or writing fiction or constitutional law or any other human endeavor, why wouldn't it also make sense that training, practice, repetition might also aid us in our general thinking, in our thinking about thinking, in emotional control, or any other private mental action? In fact, it makes a lot of sense. More so, there is mounting high-quality evidence proving this very point. Practice leads to improvement. Practicing muscle movement improves muscle movement. Practicing surgical technique improves a surgeon's skill. Practicing keeping attention improves attention. Practicing not being overwhelmed by strong emotions improves the chances of not being overwhelmed by strong emotions. But on the flip side, Practicing being sedentary improves one's sedentariness. Practicing being anxious strengthens one's anxiety. And practicing insomnia reinforces insomnia. Your brain is a learning machine. 
A mental experience, whether that experience is pleasant or unpleasant, wanted or unwanted, physical, mystical, metaphysical, or any other purely mental phenomena, any experience that recurs will recur again more easily. The cost of admission of that experience in your brain, the literal chemical and electrical work required to have the experience, is lowered with each repetition, and your brain gets more efficient at experiencing the same thing. Synaptic connections between your brain cells grow or modified. Useless ones are cropped and discarded. That is the mechanism of learning. That is neuroplasticity. We basically don't get any new neurons after we're born. The reason why we're able to learn anything is not by creating more hardware capacity, but by adding, modifying, and deleting the connections between the hardware that we already have. You learn and get better at anything because your brain figures out that going from A to B to C is more costly in time and energy than just going from A directly to C. And then it'll add 10 more redundant highways between A and C to make that network connection even more foolproof. The more you travel that route, the cheaper it gets to do so, sometimes to the point that it's so cheap, it's free and automatic. The more the action is repeated, the more easily and readily it will be repeated in the future, often without any conscious effort at all. So if you repeatedly yell and curse whenever someone cuts you off in traffic, you will more easily fly off the handle when your kid refuses to eat her broccoli. If you frequently try to take a balanced view and find the silver lining, you will more easily experience post-traumatic growth after a setback. If you frequently look at modified, airbrushed, filtered Instagram standards of beauty, you will more easily feel inadequate when you peer into the mirror. If you frequently express gratitude, even when life hands you lemons, you will more easily enjoy the lemonade. And if you frequently experience mind-wandering and other automatic thoughts when you're laying in bed desperate for sleep, you will more easily get more of the same. Meditation is just a name given to the exercise of intentional thinking. Far from the flower power hippie connotations, the most famous meditation is the book Meditations, written by Marcus Aurelius, who was one of the last great Roman emperors, revered as a philosopher both due to the nature of his rule, but especially because of this book, Meditations. The book was never intended for public consumption. Rather, like many meditations, it's a collection of his personal thoughts, written in a private journal as reminders to himself. It is actually written as a series of notes to himself, reminding himself of this or that, especially in regard to being mindful of the big picture, the view from above, to be intentional about getting out of his own head and taking a broader perspective when making decisions. Meditation, as studied in 20th and 21st century medical literature, frequently involves a structured mental exercise. Whether guided live in a class setting or by recorded audio format, the instructor walks us through, sometimes starting with body posture and positioning, a little relaxation, and then on to the intended object of meditation. When it comes to your sleep, there are really two big takeaways with meditation and mindfulness practices in general. The first involves the skill of attention. The second, the skill of unattached, dispassionate, non-judgmental awareness of mental activity and insights garnered from that awareness regarding the nature of the mind. In a typical mindfulness meditation exercise, you are asked to breathe and know your breathing, to focus on the physical felt experience of breathing wherever it is most salient, such as at the nostrils, the chest, or any movement in your belly. In one kind of meditation, the skill to cultivate is focused attention. So, when your mind naturally wanders off the felt experience of the breath, a totally normal, expected, and practically desired occurrence with meditation to be clear, 
Mind wandering is not failing at meditating or doing it wrong. It's actually supposed to happen. So that once you become aware that your mind has wandered, that's the golden opportunity. That is the key. Because now you have the opportunity you've been waiting to exercise, waiting to repeat in practice. Once you recognize your mind has strayed from the boring experience of the breathing, now you get to bring it back to the breath. That's it. That's the whole point. The point is not the breath. There's no deduction or meditation penalty for mind-wandering. On the contrary, you get 10 gold star stickers every time you recognize the inevitable mind-wandering and follow up by focusing your mind back on the breath. The stagehand lost sight of the lead character during the climax of the play and instead let the spotlight dilly-dally this way and that, following one dust particle after another, until, voila, he realizes the mistake and points the spotlight back on the intended target. The skill to cultivate is precisely this action of recovering focus. What you abandoned, what you wandered into, and what you returned focus to, that does not matter. What matters is the ability to regain the focus. So whenever you need to concentrate on something, meeting a deadline for work, on a dull story told by a relative you pretend to like, or you're just trying to settle in to fall asleep at night, this skill of being able to maintain attention and concentration is mighty helpful. And the great thing about this kind of meditation practice is that it's content naive and easily generalizable, meaning that you are not honing the skill of realizing your breathing. The skill that you are cultivating of focused attention can be widely applied. Distraction from any object is inevitable, but avoiding sustained distraction by recognition and recovery, that is a skill one can learn and improve with practice. No matter what it is that distracted you, or what it is that the attention was distracted from. The second and perhaps more important skill that can be developed with other meditation practices involves letting go. That's right, meditation to just let it go. Did I get an amen, Queen Elsa? There is a practice known as open awareness where you basically just ride the crazy train of your brain wherever it takes you. Or maybe not quite so much ride the train, so much as to see that there are in fact trains of mental activity in the first place, and that you are not the train any more than you are your pinky fingernail. These trains of mental activity are just part of you. They are not you. And some of these mental trains are interesting, some are not, some are fleeting, and some are relentless. Open awareness by allowing whatever pops up to just pop up and be, without judgment or analysis of why, this openness reveals to us that mental phenomena is just that. It's mental phenomena. Your brain has thoughts. Your body has sensations. Your mind has moods and emotions. And a lot of this is automatic. And just because any mental phenomena has occurred does not oblige you to follow their every demand, buy into every notion, take every mental word as golden truth, or slavishly follow the gospel of the little dictator in your head. And as you practice seeing all these different trains of mental experience, thoughts, sensations, emotions, dart in and out of the train station of your mind, it becomes increasingly clear that you are not your thoughts. That often, thoughts just happen. Maybe they're true, maybe they're not. But open awareness allows you to gain some perspective, some separation from feeling fused with and 100% identify with every little thought as if it is gospel. Open awareness practice cultivates the skill that makes it easier for you to recognize that you are not your thoughts, that you don't need to judge yourself for bad thoughts or feel prideful about your good thoughts or label yourself as an anxious person just because you experience anxiety. 
open awareness cultivates the skill of seeing mental phenomena for what they are, without judgment, without clinging desire, and without aversion. Practicing open awareness is like realizing that your mind is more like Grand Central Station, and that you are no more the 715 to Newark than the 235 to Philly. Trains of thought, sensation, emotion, they will come and go all day long. That's just what happens at a train station. It does not mean that you have to jump on every train just because it is there. The mind is just the arena where these thoughts, sensations, and emotions take place. Just mental phenomena, not a command, not a requirement, not necessarily the truth or reality or really anything close to it. Just mental phenomena, coming and going, because that's what happens in minds. So then, when you are settling in to try to get to sleep, in a series of seemingly unrelated, unimportant, foolish, critical, and unrelenting thought trains comes plowing into your mind's personal Grand Central Station, you have the practice skill to just say, welcome to the party, because you know from experience that they will just come and go, thoughts and sensations and emotions will bubble up into awareness and then fall away out of awareness, and you don't have to grasp onto each and every one just because it made an appearance. Meditation is not some woo-woo magical thinking taking you on a fool's errand. It is simply the mental gym. If you come and work out, your skill will improve. And just as practicing with a barbell easily translates to the strength to carry a heavy box, or running in place on a treadmill easily translates to getting less winded when you take the stairs, the skills training, practice, and repetition of meditation in the mental gym is also content-naive and wildly applicable to everyday living, such as your sleep. And just like going to the gym once or twice doesn't make you a shoe-in for the Mr. Universe competition, Meditation, just like any other skill, requires time and practice to get better and better. But improving the process of your thinking, reducing the judgments of yourself for some automatic thought you had, improving your recognition of emotions before they move you to an action that you would not prefer, the gradual process of becoming a better you is the ultimate worthy endeavor. So when your head hits the pillow, you can be more skilled at focusing on the calm, relaxing sensation of your body on the sheets and the feeling of unwinding. And when the inevitable distracting thought or itch or emotion bubbles up, you can wave a friendly hello and just let it be without having to be engulfed by it. Because meditation is not for hippies and witch doctors. Meditation is for anyone with a thinking mind. And decades of research are proving that millennia-old meditation exercise is just as effective for strengthening your thinking mind as gym exercises are for moving bodies. Created a little freebie for you, so if you head over to wellrestedmd.com slash day, you can get a free cheat sheet to a day in the life of the well-rested, including some specific best practices to get that good snooze. That's wellrestedmd.com slash D-A-Y. Be sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player to get all the latest episodes. Leave a review and head over to wellrestedmd.com for more information. Thanks for listening.